Hello, listeners. After taking a break from recording and releasing episodes over the winter holidays, we are back with some extra spicy content for episode 9. In this episode, Emma and I chat between the two of us about the age-old question, to geotag or not to geotag, and some of its implications in gatekeeping the outdoors. We barely scratch the surface of this topic, but share some of our opinions, particularly as they relate to the use of social media. Full disclosure, this is a big and controversial topic. And honestly, even since the episode recording, I personally have come across some blog posts and opinions that have made me second-guess my own comments here. Our opinions come from our personal experiences, mainly in British Columbia, where outdoor access and tourism is encouraged and is part of the local economy. And we recognize there are a lot more issues at play that we don't get a chance to discuss. This episode definitely has a more serious tone than usual for us, but we hope you enjoy it and share your feedback and thoughts. Welcome to Wildly Basic a podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry, regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. Hi guys, we are back. It is December 3rd. It's December 5th. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, it's December 5th. Oh my gosh. The month's already flying by. Um, okay, it's December 5th, my bad. Um, and Ali and I are back for another episode. No guests today, it's just the two of us chatting. Yeah, we actually just, before we jumped on this recording, we just spent like 45 minutes just catching up on our own lives too, because we've been kind of like disconnected. So Emma saved some of her own updates for the episode as well. So I'm excited to hear about that too. Yeah, well, it is full-blown winter now in Squamish and the snow is piling up on the mountains and I've been able to get out backcountry skiing quite a bit for an early season and I'm pretty stoked on it. Um, And I just was really stoked to see how many women skiers there were. Like it was majority women out there. And it wasn't like an off day. It was like a weekend. And I was just really motivated to see all the female shredders out there. So that was one of the highlights of that day. The other thing that I did, which is kind of embarrassing, but you know, I'm, I guess I'm still a noob in some ways is for those of you who don't know backcountry skiing, um, you require a special set of bindings so that your heel can move in walk mode. So when you're hiking up that you can lift your heel from the ski. There's a couple different types of bindings that allow for that. The ones I have are pin bindings. So that's two pins at the front that click into some pin holes in my boots. So it allows my toe to rotate and then the heels allowed to come in and out if you click it in for ski mode and walk mode. So I have the pin bindings and I last year was my first year with them. Anytime I was traversing like a slope, like my ski would pop off. And I just thought this was like normal, like backcountry skiing stuff. I was like, my ski popped off and I'd put it back on and I'd keep going. And I never thought twice about it. 
But this season I'm out on that first day with my roommate, uh, Allison, who we had on the podcast a while back. I'm out with her and we're going up and my ski pops off. And I, so I go to put it back on. And I kind of said in frustration, I was like, oh, it always does that. And she goes, well, do you lift the thing up? And I was like, lift this thing up. And I like, like a complete idiot. I like, was like, of course I lift my ski up to test it. Like, so I showed her, like, I click it in and I like lift my foot up and I like shake the ski around. I'm like, yeah, see it's in. She's like, no, Emma, do you lock your bindings? And I didn't know this. And I've had my skis now for like a year, but you, so you pop it in and it like locks in like a regular resort ski. But then there's also another tab on the toe that you lift up again to lock it in because you want them completely locked in when you're going uphill, but you don't want them completely locked in when you're skiing because, you know, if you fall, you want your skis to release. Yeah. So I have actually spent a year not locking my skis into my boot. And she was so, she was like, oh my gosh, you cannot tell anyone that you were making this mistake. Like she was so embarrassed. I felt like such a new, but anyways, now I lock my ski in every time and I haven't had that issue since. I'm very proud of you. I feel like that's very on brand for us, that DV moment. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But for those of you who haven't heard that yet, DV moments are dumb bitch moments. And uh, our friend group tends to have a few of those every once in a while. More like all the time, but... We also say DBDY, dumb bitches die young, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Okay, I'm going to just jump into this. Yeah, Emma has recently read a blog post that kind of got her on this train of thought. So why don't you talk about that post you read and like how it made you feel and your reflections on it? Yeah, um, yeah. So like Ali said, I recently read a blog post this was a couple of weeks ago, but the author was talking about how they were against geotagging. So if you don't know, geotagging is um, a feature on Instagram or Facebook when you can tag the location of the picture. So yeah, the blog post was talking about how they were against geotagging. They didn't want people um, publicly announcing where they were going for hikes or skis or climbs. And their argument was that we should limit how much we advertise these areas. And they were afraid that by putting them out on social media like that, that we were going to increase the amount of human traffic going through these areas and that it was ultimately going to destroy the area. Or even if it wasn't going to destroy the area, I felt like it was also kind of, um, they wanted to keep it a little bit more exclusive. Like they didn't want to go to their favorite climbing area and see 20 people, 20 people. I, you know, 20 people who were just noobs who found the location on Instagram. And I completely disagreed with the blog post. And it got me thinking about, um, well, first it got me thinking about geotagging and how I use geotagging on my social media. But then it also kind of got me down this rabbit hole of a bigger issue that I think is present in the outdoors. And that's gatekeeping the outdoors and there's a small pocket of our community that I think wants to keep it a bit more exclusive and limit the accessibility to it so I wanted to kind of jump into those topics and see what Ali thought about it and get our listeners thinking about it themselves but yeah so what do you think about geotagging Ali because I personally 
I use geotagging for like to tag my own photos, but I also use it when I'm looking for places to go. So here's my, here's my opinion on it. I don't have an issue with geotagging. I think that it's fine. And I also think that, like you said, like it is kind of, I find it very pretentious when people post a photo and don't tag the location. And it's like very clearly a beautiful location. And they just have decided that they will not, they will post a photo of it without telling people where it is. I will say I have done that once before, like two years ago, I went on a camping trip and I, I posted a photo and just tagged it as like beautiful British Columbia or something. But so I've done that. And I know the motivation behind doing that. I guess like my thoughts on it now since then are that if you're going to post a photo in the first place, then why are you trying to hide that you went there? If you really want to keep a location secret, don't post a photo. I guess the, to me, this is a part of the topic of gatekeeping. And, you know, there's that debate of who are you keeping it secret from? Why are you keeping it secret? Is that ethical? Who belongs in the outdoors? Who is disadvantaged by those actions? That's a whole big, broader part of that topic that I think we're going to scratch the surface of today. But in terms of just purely the geotagging discussion, I don't give a shit. Geotag if you post. I think it's kind of douchey. Like I said, I've done it too. And in reflection, I think it's kind of douchey to post a photo, but then refuse to disclose the location. I don't know. What do you think about that, Emma? A lot of the places that I've gone or been interested in going, I originally found through Instagram or I was just browsing, you know, a hashtag and looking at locations. So I use geotagging as like a real tool to get me out there. And I know that other people do as well. I, I definitely, I probably have done it too, like in the past. Now that I've reflected on it, I make a point to geotag where I go, but I probably have also geotagged beautiful British Columbia like you have. And I've, I see people doing this and I know that they're doing it because they want to be kind of cheeky about it. Like they want to put the location, but they don't want to put the exact location. So I guess that's not the biggest deal. As long as you're willing to answer the question, where did you go? And that was something that happened to me more recently this summer was somebody posted a photo. This is somebody that I would consider a friend. They posted a photo, but they didn't tag the location. They tagged something like Canada or British Columbia. And I DM'd them and I said, like, where was this? And they like repeated their geotag with like a little winky face to say, to almost imply that they weren't going to tell me. And I know their motivations behind it. They wanted to keep it secret. Mm -hmm. And it just really irked me because I was like, why would you not? And especially like, I don't mean to say like, especially me, but I just was like, I'm not some person who's never been out there. You felt like they were gatekeeping from someone with whom objectively there's no reason to withhold that information from. Like, it's not as if you are known to be someone who is destructive to the environment or who is disrespectful or who doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't know how to keep themselves safe. You're none of those things. So objectively, there's no reason to withhold that information other than that person trying to keep that location secret. Yeah. And it really reminded me of, remember like in middle school when someone would come to school with like a really cute top and you would ask, hey, where did you get your top? Because you would want to go shop at this place because you liked their style. And they would say, they like would refuse to tell you because they didn't want you copying them. It just gave me, it just reminded me of those moments. And I was like, why do we have to be like this? I guess where, like where I'm coming from with my stance 
is if you really want to keep somewhere secret for whatever reason, withholding judgment from that, there people have different reasons for keeping secret. And let's just take that out of the equation. But if you do want to keep something secret, don't post about it. It, yeah, it just feels douchey, honestly. And it feels gatekeepy. And it feels like, oh, why do you get the privilege of being there? And I don't like what makes you able to go there over me? Yeah, so I, I thought about this with the blog post. And I was sitting on these ideas for a couple of days. And I realized that it was really speaking more about this bigger attitude of being of keeping the outdoors exclusive. And these questions of who do we allow in these spaces? And who are we excluding from these spaces? why are we doing this in the first place? And if, is it ethical? Like you said, I guess where we're going with this is what we're, we want to talk about what we think about various actions that contribute to gatekeeping and how we think these things can be better addressed. I also was thinking of the harm that gatekeeping does because this person in the blog post, for example, who was talking about just geotagging, they had good intentions, I think, well, no, obviously, I want to assume they had good intentions by preaching their opinion on gatekeeping because they were saying that they wanted to keep these places exclusive to protect them. Like they cared about these places and they didn't want to overwhelm them and end up destroying this beautiful place that they care about. But what bothered me was I know these sentiments exist and I know that people share this opinion, but these people I find are the same people who criticize those you know those quote city folk who don't care about environmental issues and they're the ones pushing people to share their opinions on how we protect the environment but what what I was struggling with was how can these people keep the outdoors exclusive but at the same time expect those that don't get to experience the outdoors the way they do to care about them to the same extent Wow, that was so eloquent, Emma. Good job. Thank you. Not a DB moment. 0% DB there. Um, Yeah, I grew up in the outdoors. My parents made quite an effort to get me out there. But when I was young, I wasn't thinking about these things. And I didn't care about the outdoors the way I do today. And I really think the reason for that is the extent of my experiences in the outdoors. And now that I'm an adult and I'm connecting with nature in a new way and I'm developing my relationship with the outdoors and that's where that's where my caring started. So if we are not allowing people to experience the outdoors in that way, how can we criticize them when they ultimately don't care as much as we do? Well, okay, let me, th- this, I'm gonna come full circle here, but I'm just gonna start with an anecdote that's related. Um, so do you remember in undergrad when I took that algae class? Yes. Honestly, almost made me change my career path. I was like, why am I applying to med school? I fucking love botany. Algae, let's go. Fungi, (laughs) let's go. Anyway, I really loved that course. And one of the things that was so great was my professor was just so passionate about the topic. And I remember him giving a lecture once, um, where he, he said, I lie awake at night wondering how I can get people who live in Kansas to care about rising ocean levels. If you've grown up in Kansas, for example, you may have never even seen the ocean. You may have not been on the coastline and you may not understand or relate to or feel emotionally connected to the fact that rising ocean levels can have a huge impact in those coastal areas. And 
And I think that the same goes for outdoors is like, if we care about the outdoors, we should be lying awake at night thinking, how do I get someone who lives in a skyscraper downtown to care about the nature that I care about? At the same time, I will be honest and say that the overpopulation of a lot of popular trails in the Vancouver area does bother me. There's two big reasons. Number one, I'm an introvert. I love my solitude. And one of the things that I enjoy about the outdoors is often the opportunity to be alone and connected to nature. On an emotional level, I really understand the desire to keep places quiet and hidden and secret. I also think that I tolerate and enjoy other people in those outdoor spaces a lot better when those are also people that understand how to respect that area. So for example, if I'm on a hike and there's people that are littering and they've got their fucking Bluetooth speaker on blasting their music when other people are trying to enjoy the sounds of of nature or the silence and they're doing something that's unsafe or they're putting a fire on during a wildfire ban, or they're not being food safe and they're going to attract animals. All of these things, like those are the big things that piss me off about more people in nature. So I think a bigger question, the reason I'm coming full circle is how do we encourage people to be outdoors, to get them to care about the environment, while also kind of providing some kind of education or mentorship on how to respect those spaces. Because we can't just expect people to be thrown into it with no previous experience and know that it's not really the etiquette to play your speaker out loud. I mean, first, I think what this comes down to is people's capacity for empathy. And like, we can't expect the people in the skyscrapers to care about, you know, Garibaldi Lake if they've never been and they don't, you know, they see pictures, but obviously pictures don't cover it. We both know that. And then your question, how do we get people caring about these spaces and respecting them? And I, I think it's unreasonable to expect, maybe I'm about to uh, butcher this, but I think it's unreasonable to expect people to care about them and care about these spaces and treat them the way we want them to be treated if they haven't experienced them yet. So the person who's playing their music they're playing that because they don't yet appreciate the sounds of nature like we do. And they need to get out there and experience them first before they care about them. I know what you mean. These, these popular places near Metro Vancouver um, that are just crowded and flooding with people like that bothers me too. But I really do feel like those spaces are important. And, you know, you go to Lynn Canyon for those of you who don't live in Vancouver, Lynn Canyon is like, literally a 20 minute drive from the city and you're right there on a mountain there's a beautiful waterfall so you're in in nature so quickly so everyone goes there and the tourists go there and people love to see the suspension bridge and all that and I I don't like to go to those places because I don't like to be around crowds of people when I'm outside and there are other places I know to go but I think those places are so valuable for the issues that we're talking about and getting people caring about the outdoors because these places are where a lot of people have their first experiences with the outdoors because they're so easy to get to. Banff's a great example because it's just blown up to be this tourist place and people, locals are always complaining about how it's no longer this beautiful place to go experience the, the beautiful Rockies. Instead, it's just this place where busloads of tourists are coming through 
to take their quick pick and then jump back on the bus. You know, and, and maybe we can be sad that this is what Banff has become, but for the people who are experiencing mountains for the first time, I think it's really important because it just takes that initial experience. Generally speaking, it's important for these locations to exist and to be used in this way for more people to have their initial experience in nature and then to start caring about it. And then we can get those people actually out there to the more secluded places that are harder to get to. I do agree, but I also, I'm just not sure if going to a pretty view and taking a photo really does get people caring about the environment on a deeper level. And I think I'm saying that because my personal experience has been that to me, like the connection with nature, part of that comes from like that feeling of, wow, I'm outside of the city now. Like I'm in this totally new environment. And I don't feel that way at one of those places like Banff, like Lake Louise, whatever. You go there and you're just surrounded by other people. Everyone's taking a photo in their bougie outfits and it's beautiful. But that's to me not, that's not, I don't feel like I'm in nature in that situation And maybe people have different thresholds for what feels like they're in nature. And maybe I'm discounting other people's experiences because I've been so fortunate to have opportunities to be in those more secluded spaces. But I guess what I'm saying and the way I'm trying to be devil's advocate is like, I think it is a bit of wishful thinking that that experience alone would make someone really care deeply about that place. And I think we talk about what we describe as like a connection with the outdoor spaces that we enjoy. But I also think that if we're going to talk about gatekeeping, we have to talk about who is doing the gatekeeping. And we're sitting here as like two white women that have had very easy access to the outdoors when really like a lot of people doing the gatekeeping are similar to us. And then there's this whole other big topic that we could get into, which I personally don't feel like I'm educated enough to speak on it. But, you know, the fact that so many Indigenous people don't really have proper access to the lands that are theirs and that the people that are talking about gatekeeping right now are us, you know, like because we have this position and this privilege to do so. It does end up in this bigger topic of whose connections to the land do we see as valid and valuable? in our society and in the outdoor industry. Mm -hmm. I just opened up so many different topics there. Yeah, I need to unpack. I want to unpack it, but well, I want to unpack it. But just like you said, we are two cisgendered white women who have had a, a very easy journey into the outdoors and things were more or less handed to us. And I like that question of whose connections to the outdoors are we valuing and who's do we see as more important? Uh, and I'm not sure if I, I mean, I can only speak with my own experiences. Okay, one thing I did want to say before we maybe get into the bigger topics of gatekeeping is when I talk about these places that are easily accessible, first, I'm tr- trying to say that I think they're important because it allows people who wouldn't even get outside, period, to get a glimpse of what it's like to be outside and then hopefully pursue other things in the outdoors that would provide them with that connection that you and I are familiar with. But I think it's important also to note that we need to be selective on what these areas are. Obviously there are places 
in the outdoors that can't handle that amount of human traffic. I guess your point of view is that there's kind of almost this triaged approach to these outdoor spaces. I like your, like, I like the way that you've conceptualized that. Like, I guess I, I've never seen it as kind of the spectrum of like what outdoor spaces can be and who they cater to. I know that there's probably people that are going to listen to this and be like, no, well, Banff didn't used to be like that. And Lake Louise didn't used to be like that. And Garibaldi was not a trail that was easy to get to 20 years ago. And now it is. And that's the problem they have. But that's what I'm trying to touch on when I say we need to be selective in what areas we choose to be these highly accessible ones. Okay, but I'm sorry to nitpick and be like this person. But I also think that what you're saying could be a bit hypocritical because you're saying we need to be selective in what areas we make accessible. So isn't that also gatekeeping? Like, isn't that statement in itself making it so that certain areas are more accessible than others, thereby gatekeeping the areas that we decide to keep secluded? You know what I'm saying? Sorry. Yes. Okay. Maybe what I meant by, you know what, that's actually a good point. When I say accessible, what I'm talking about is like, because uh, it is kind of hypocritical. You're right. When I'm saying easily accessible, I'm saying that there is infrastructure involved in making them accessible. So there's a big drive up, there's a parking lot, there's the garbage cans, you know, the trails wide enough, it can accommodate a wide range of abilities and ages. And um, I'm not talking about exclusiveness to the knowledge that certain places exist. Like going back to the geotagging thing, it's not about who we're allowing into the area. It's like, I'm not even allowed to know that the area exists. Okay, but what I'm saying is in your, in your statement, who gets to decide which areas get the parking lot? Who gets to decide, oh, this place is going to stay like four by four or only, or this place, oh yeah, this is going to remain a super sketchy 10 kilometer hike in. This is just the connection that I'm, that I'm making in my head. I, I watched... Maybe some of our listeners have seen it. I think it's, yeah, I think it's an Arcteryx film. Um, You can find it on YouTube. It's called On the Verge. It's about the climbing area near Powell River. Um, Have you heard of it, Ellie? I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Okay. Well, if you haven't, it was a good, it was a good little short film. Long story short with that film is there's this area in Powell River that is not easily accessible, but it's basically like a mini Yosemite, like big, big walls. But the only way to get there is this, you know, kind of sketchy service road. The service road was originally just like a lot of service roads. They're put in place because of the logging industry. So these roads are maintained for the purpose of logging. And when the logging is over or, you know, we've moved to the next area, that road still exists, but it's not being maintained anymore. And one of the points that I'm remembering from this film is like there were the people who cared about this climbing area didn't want the old growths to be logged. But at the same time, they understood that the logging of the old growth in this area was maintaining the service road that was allowing them to get to this climbing area. They had this kind of conflict on, on their priorities and, and what they felt was important for this area. Like we're treading on these kind of really interconnected, but also each individually very deep and complex and convoluted topics, one of which is um, environmentalism, one of which is like 
gatekeeping for the sake of keeping areas private and quiet and maintaining that feeling of solitude that people want in the outdoors. And the other thing is like these ideas of power and who's making decisions yeah. that impact the rest of the people in the area that want to use that outdoor space. And like all of those things are interconnected for sure. And I mean, we started off with geotagging and now we're basically talking about the entire structure of our society. But, <laughs> but like... Okay, well, let's let's go back then, because when I was bringing up geotagging or when I was thinking about the blog post that I originally started on, the gatekeeping that I was imagining was the last one you mentioned. So the power dynamic and the inequality of access to these areas. That was the topic I originally started thinking about. I know now we were talking about a huge environmental issue and maybe that we should cover that on another episode. This is something that I just don't know enough about to really like have an educated opinion, you know? Yeah, I'm sure I don't know enough either, but I still stand by what I said. We need to be more welcoming in these spaces to allow a greater population to care about these spaces they don't understand. They don't have the knowledge. They can't empathize with the people who are experiencing it firsthand. So I stand by what I said. We, we need to welcome more people into these spaces because I believe ultimately that's where that's where the connection is going to form and that's where the caring is going to start. Okay, so in terms of tackling a slightly smaller chunk of this discussion, when we talk, so like your friend that you DM'd who wouldn't tell you where the picture that she posted was yeah. gonna guess the motivation was that they don't want more people coming to an area that they like to enjoy alone I'm gonna be honest and say that I feel the exact same way because I enjoy that solitude I don't want more people in the outdoors which is so hypocritical of me to say as I'm sitting here hosting a podcast with the goal of including more people in the outdoors and making it like a more welcoming space for women, especially. I have those feelings and I have those thoughts and I have those moments that I like don't want to share places with people because of how much they mean to me and how much I value that solitude. Then it's also like a level of trust. Like if you were to, it's, it's like, if you were to open the door to your house to everyone, you're trusting them to take care of that space in the same way that you would. Yeah. And I know that that feeling may be selfish, but I also don't want to act on that. If everyone acted that way, I would never be, have had any outdoor opportunities if people acted on their selfish feelings. And maybe there just needs to be a better kind of like way to instill like this ethic of caring for outdoor spaces and I think if I saw everyone out there acting with that care towards the environment I wouldn't feel such a visceral reaction to that thought of more people invading the spaces that I care about I agree with you and because I agree with you I think that this pettiness with geotagging or or something similar we need to get get away from and instead, we need to move towards being more welcome in the outdoors. And I mean, this is something that we've talked about a lot. We have a, we have this podcast literally dedicated to building this community and inspiring people to get um, involved and and kind of preach that there's a space for everyone in the outdoors. 
the way that I feel about this topic is like when you see (laughs) this is also going to sound so bad like when you see someone who's really really hot and like you kind of are like jealous and like kind of hate them for it but you don't want to like they're you know what I mean it's like it's that feeling of like I don't like this feeling that I'm having and I know I shouldn't have it but I feel it we're recognizing that we have these feelings and we're you know, out loud saying that I don't want to act on them and that these are feelings that I know are not right. Like, I guess I want to have the mindset of welcoming everyone into outdoor spaces. Oh, actually, no, this is where this, I wrote notes before this episode, believe it or not, even if I've been still scattered. That was one of my final notes was we're talking about welcoming people in the outdoors. That responsibility is falling on those of us who are already in it we need to kind of be good mentors in a way and teach people how to respect these places that we care about and we need to be good leaders in that and we may it's unrealistic to just assume that people are going to do that so let's step up and let's be good leaders and not geotagging and maybe being cagey about locations and being exclusive and gatekeepy is not being a good leader is what I'm trying to say. The the privilege that we have in enjoying these spaces comes with responsibility. And I want to acknowledge that responsibility and I want to encourage other people to think about it themselves. Instead of pushing people away, if you think, in your opinion, they're not acting appropriately to be in the outdoors, take that opportunity to help welcome them in and help them understand what the etiquette is or what the practices are that keep that place open and keep it you know reduce its impact on the overall environment if you see something going wrong maybe take that as an opportunity to help rather than an opportunity to push those people away because that's not going to change anything like I often say especially I say it actually a lot at school when I'm working with kids and I'm dealing with um, the way they react like we should be calling people up instead of calling people out. Like instead of calling people out and rejecting them and pushing them away and and making them feel bad for their actions, we should be calling them up and kind of uplifting them, like kind of calling them up in order to reflect and hear each other out and be able to open up that conversation instead of just putting up a wall and saying like, you're doing this wrong and then walking away. I mean, this this whole conversation started... (laughs) Because of a blog post on geotagging. Yeah. And I think recognizing clearly by how some of this conversation was very scattered. Hopefully my editing might fix some of that. But (laughs) you can probably tell that Emma and I haven't even really flushed out all our thoughts on this topic. I guess these are things that are super uncomfortable and like kind of icky to think about sometimes. And yet it's really important and it's really important for all of us to like reflect on it even if you like us don't have those fully formed thoughts yet I think that I hope this episode will like plant that seed in your mind next time you want to complain about a place being busy maybe reframing it as like wow so many people get to enjoy this beautiful location those kind of things yeah I wanted to say it sounds really cliche but I wanted to say like there's always time to be a good person yeah Yeah. never mind scratch that (laughs) there's always time to be a good person Emma Martin 2021 (laughs) I sound like a a bimbo
DB. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, anyways, I feel like a lot of the times with these episodes, we like kind of get to the point and then we like circle back and maybe like repeat the point a couple times. I don't even know if we had a point there. <laughs> I well, no, no, we, we did have a point and then we kept talking and then we kind of like dulled the point out again. But uh yeah, moral of the story. Think about why you may or may not be geotagging on your Instagram and what feelings you have towards that and why you have those feelings and reflect on what your role is as an outdoor advocate and leader. In this essay, we spoke about dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this episode, if it were a high school essay, would fail though, because we did not have three nice, succinct little paragraph ideas the three paragraph essay is has been thrown out the window nobody uses it anymore anyways yeah that's fake news I've never (laughs) used that since high school I don't know why that was like so ingrained into us but I know so drilled but we still hope that you leave this episode thinking about those three points and maybe any other feelings that came up talking about this kind of weird and uncomfortable topic and as always we love to hear from you guys we love your feedback and this is something especially where we can only really speak to our experience and Emma and I have had similar ones as each other so it would be cool to hear from others okay bye listeners bye bye thanks for listening to wildly basic Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Instagram at Wildly Basic Podcast. Our marketing director is Emma. Our editor-in-chief is Allie. Artwork by Emma. Music and sound by Allie. Co-hosted by Emma and Allie. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Happy trails. trails!